What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the QB Spotlight Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts here, Stephen Hamner. And for all the loyal listeners who uh, usually tune in weekly to this podcast, probably know that the, the intro already sounds a little different. Uh, my co-host, who usually does the the opening of our show, Eric Henry, uh, is out with his uh, his wisdom teeth were taken out yesterday, so we wish him a, a speedy recovery. Uh, that the show will not be the same without him because he's the one who makes it go so smoothly and, and make sure you know we, we stay on to- topic and stay on point. Because uh, if it was up to me, I'd be talking about each quarterback probably way too long. Um, but with that said, I'll make sure this episode is probably gonna be a little shorter. Usually we stay about you know 40 ish, 45 minutes or so. We'll probably be in the the 20 25 minute range here. Um, so without anything else, um, you know, we wish Eric a, a speedy recovery and he'll be back next week. Uh, I know he's still he's still chugging along doing work uh, this week. But, you know, as anyone that's had their wisdom teeth taken out, it can be uh, difficult to difficult to talk. So anyone that follows him on, on Twitter uh, will will know he has a wisdom, his wisdom teeth out. So with, without anything, you know, any, any other kind of uh, housekeeping things to, to go over, let's go ahead and dive into the the meat and potatoes of the episode. So let's go ahead and recap week six uh, with, with all the quarterback play first and first. <clears throat> so it, it was a little bit of a lighter slate uh, for the group of five conferences. Conference USA did have nine teams playing. The American had only six and the Sun Belt had only four. So with kind of the recap of week six, I'm going to talk a about a, a few American quarterbacks that, that we like that had good performances. Briefly talk about one Sunbelt quarterback, and then we're going to spend kind of the, the, the majority of time uh, in the quarterbacks, the on the quarterbacks and, uh, and conference USA, uh, just because there are so many more quarterbacks to kind of choose from and highlight and talk about. And there's some pretty, uh, pretty big storylines developing right now uh, in conference USA as far as it relates, relates to the quarterback position. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Holton Aylers, quarterback for Eastern Carolina. So he was someone we talked about last week on the pod uh, who did not have a great performance uh, against Georgia State, had three interceptions, uh, kind of made some uh, questionable decisions, if you will, and, and, and just didn't have a great great performance. But he's someone who bounced back big time in their, their win against South Florida. Uh, and so he, he's someone who... We actually spotlighted one of the articles on Underdog Dynasty this week, uh, but he had a much, much better performance this week. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. His My biggest takeaways from him against the South Florida defense, who is athletic, but at times can over-pursue and, and kind of uh, aren't exactly on the same page. My biggest takeaways from him was he did the simple things right. Uh, he took what the defense gave him. He didn't try to do too much. Like last week against Georgia State, whenever they had pressure on him, he would try to force a play or, or, or take a bad sack. Uh, this week he was much better, got upfield, got rid of the ball, and made some pretty good reads as well uh, against South Florida. And this was a game I kind of, I didn't poke fun at. I just talked about, you know, how many interceptions are going to be between East Carolina and South Florida because last week, Ehlers threw three and South Florida quarterbacks combined through five. So I put the over-under at four and a half. I think me and Eric both took the over at five, and we were both completely wrong. There were zero interceptions. Actually, a pretty clean game from the quarterback position. Uh, position. Jordan McLeod for, for South Florida uh, did a few nice things as well. South Florida just has a lot of to kind of uh, get together before they can take the next step, and, and uh, you know, they got a lot to work on. But T- takeaway of that game is Holton Ehlers played much, much better, uh, improved. Can tell he went to the drawing board, probably watched some film, and uh, he, t- he took a good step this week. 
It was also good to see Clayton Toon from U of H and Anthony Russo from Temple, two guys who haven't played yet just because of the cancellations uh, to, to, to COVID so far. Let's spend a little time on Clayton Toon because I don't know if anyone watched uh, U of H play Tulane, I believe, last Thursday. And they got off to a horrendous start. Clayton Toon threw a pick six in the next offensive drive. Either the next offensive drive or two offensive drives after that, they were deep inside their own territory. He fumbled the ball. Tulane either picked it up and, and pick, I think picked up like the one yard line and basically fell into the end zone. So he had a bad, bad start, pick six and a fumble for a TD. But what was impressive about him is once, once, you know, they weathered the storm, uh, they were able to, he was able to get settled in. And once they kind of got rolling, Tulane had no chance uh, stopping the, the, the U of H defense. A uh, lot of good deep shots. He was able just to get the ball in his playmaker's hands. And he played a much cleaner game after kind of getting the jitters out, if you will. And that's kind of to be expected from U of H because they haven't played, you know, they've had their first, what, three, four games canceled. So I, I think it was fair to, fair uh, to, you know, expect the the rough outing at first, but once he got settled in, he looked good. Uh, they got a big game this week, which we'll talk about uh, later uh, in the show. Uh, but it was good to see him finally get out and going. So with with, with all the American talk down, so that was it. We had six teams play, and one was a Navy team. Um, Russo played. So let's go on and let's go on and move to the to the Sun Belt because um, they they had four teams play this week. So they had the least amount of teams on the slate. So the least amount of quarterbacks we could really break down uh, for, for the, the, the conferences that we kind of keep up and cover. So I, the, the, the quarterback who had the best outing out of any uh, conference, <clears throat> I'm sorry, not any conference out of the Sunbelt conference, Gunnar Watson from Troy, someone who they've only played twice prior to this. He looked really good in this, their in the game against middle Tennessee. And then the game against BYU, they, they, you know, uh, Got beat pretty bad, so we won't hold that too harshly against them. But man, Gunnar Watson looked extremely comfortable against a Texas State defense, who is was is a team that's very much improved. And I actually think you know I don't think Texas State is necessarily twenty points worse than Troy, even though that's what the score said. Um, so I think it was impressive how good of a game he had against Texas State. <clears throat> Uh, you know, he was very efficient and uh, I think four touchdowns over 300 yards passing was I think 33 or 46, some, somewhere in that range. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, uh, but he looked very good. And, and something as far as, you know, uh, to, as far as it relates to to his play that, you know, you could tell how comfortable comfortable he was, was he lived in the middle of the field. When when a quarterback is really feeling it and, and was in the zone, you know, for, for lack of better terms, if I want to be cliche, then he feels that he can make any throw anywhere. And sometimes the middle of the field can be, as a quarterback, and, and not necessarily intimidating, but there's a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of kind of consolidation going on in the middle of the field, kind of just like kind of kind of just junk going on in the middle of the field that maybe it's sometimes easier or you feel more comfortable throwing to the outside where there's not as many, you know, bodies, you know, simply. Um, but he was living in the middle of the field. He tore Texas State apart. That's a big sign. Uh, that's, a, that's a big sign for Troy because it seems like Troy just puts out quarterbacks each and every year. You know, Caleb Barker, and before Caleb Barker was it Brandon Silvers. You know, they just put out guys each and every year. And Gunnar Watson seems to be the you know the the, the next quarterback in that Troy lineage. Um, that's you know taken over, taken over, and, and looking pretty pretty good right now. And man, the Sun Belt as a whole just has some really good quarterbacks right now. So it's, I know I've talked about that before. Anyone that's keep, that keeps up with uh, our our Twitter page or with the articles coming out, Underdog Dynasty knows that 
I, I really think that the, the Sun Belt Conference has a lot of good gunslingers, and you know, they, they got more quality quarterbacks than not, which you know isn't always the case in that conference. You know, the past few years they've had three to four guys who are just dudes, and now this year, man, it seems like every team you know has a has a legit uh, guy slinging the rock. Um, let's talk about a little about Texas State. So I'm pretty high on both these quarterbacks. And I know both play Tyler Vitt and Brady McBride. And we talked about this last week. Uh, McBride w- w- was a starter and played the majority of the time. I think Vitt only had a few snaps. and um, But Mc- Brady McBride played the majority of the time. And he's someone who has a higher ceiling than Vitt. But probably Vitt probably has a, a, a lower, a higher floor, if that makes sense. You know, um, but McBride didn't play as bad as the numbers say, despite you know not throwing for 100 yards. He did make some plays. You know he led them on a few good drives. Uh, the, the the big thing that broke their back was they when they were down 23 to 10, so they just scored to make it 23 10. They were down 23 three, I believe, or something along those lines. And so Texas State's driving in the middle of the field, and he fumbled. And that was big. Uh, if you take that if you take that fumble away, because Texas State was driving then. Then they potentially get 23-13, 23-17. It's a whole different ball game. Of course, you can't take that away. Uh, and you know, Troy made a good play. And you know, once that happened, Troy was able to uh, put the game out of reach and just hold hold uh, Texas State. Um, but I still think there, there's some there's exciting things for Texas State and for Brady McBride uh, specifically because you know they him and Vit have both had you know had to sit out due to something with COVID, whether they had it or whether it's contract tracing or whatever it may have been. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, but, you know, so they, they both, you know, had missed practices and stuff. So I think once they get in a swing of things and McBride has more action experience, because I think that's all McBride needs. Now, I, I think he's going to take a, a big step forward. And, man, Texas State is in a good position long term. They might not get a ton of wins this year. I think they're going to get a few people, but I think next year is setting up real nice for them. So let's go ahead and move away from the Sun Belt, and we'll come back to a few Sun Belt quarterbacks once we preview week week seven. Let's go ahead and talk about Conference USA, where there are nine teams playing. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and get into it right now. Lowell Narcisse, UTSA quarterback. Someone we have not really talked about in this podcast before, because every time we talk about UTSA quarterbacks, it's been Frank Harris or Josh Atkins. Lowell Narcisse, the transfer from LSU. So he played a good amount of time last year 2019 he actually you know was was uh, a big factor in their i think what three conference wins rice odu and utep uh hope i'm i hope i'm right in saying that um and then you know 2020 comes around and, you know frank harris is back and healthy josh adkins comes in he's able to sing the rock and then you know if if we go off the the uab game the other week it seems that you know narcisse was fourth string because when Frank Harris got it got injured, oh no! When Josh Adkins got injured, and Frank Harris is out for the game, they put in uh, Weeks, and then uh, Lowell Narcisse came in after uh, you know they needed a spark, and, and they, they set Weeks. So to be four string, and then you come and you play a game like this against BYU is kind of crazy. So for those who didn't watch the game, Frank Harris started. Uh, he's still dealing with injury. So uh, midway through the game, they put in Lowell Narcisse. And he had a huge game against BYU that almost led them to a win. They lost 27-20 against a team, a BYU team that was, you know, 30 point plus favorites. He was 17-20, had two touchdowns, passing, and made some players with legs as well. 
Um, he looked good in the pocket and out of the pocket, and, and he had some NFL throws. There's a reason why he was recruited to play at LSU, and he showed that against BYU. My biggest takeaway from him was his composure and chaos. So, you know, he didn't start, gets put in, so it's already kind of chaotic getting put in midway-ish through the game, give or take. And he looked great. Didn't miss a beat. He was prepared. Uh, he, he was able to throw the middle of the field outside, and and he was able to you know escape pressure, keep his eyes downfield, and deliver some big time throws. So, thinking about how he was fourth string or third string, I guess you know depending what you take. But well, let's just go ahead and say he was in that fourth string range, just because he didn't get get in uh, until the end of the UAB game. To go from fourth string to I don't know if he's going to be starting the rest of the season, but he's definitely he's definitely should be in the conversation for it. It's a pretty big deal. It tells me that he's just a gamer. And, you know, you, you have some people who don't play great in practice, but the minute the lights come on and, and you are, you know, an actual game, like things just start clicking because it means more, whatever, whatever it may be. Like uh, if you heard some Tim Tebow stories, he was in college, wasn't a great practice player from what we've heard. But when the game's lit up, mm, Heisman, you know. So um, it's interesting to, to, to that's just an interesting thought to think about moving forward. Uh, but man, he looked great, and I'm you know ha- happy to see UTSA was able to compete uh, two weeks in a row. Uh, even though I don't, we're not you know ones for moral victories, but that program's heading in the right direction. And I, I think uh, I think if you're if you're a Roadrunner fan, you have to like what you saw from Narcisse, and hopefully can can build that uh, moving forward. So let's go out and move to a game I know my co-host Eric Henry would love to talk about. The game he was covering, Middle Tennessee against FIU. And I don't want to speak too much about the the FIU, um, what's going on with FIU, just because, you know, Eric's got so much more inside information to, to, uh, to, to kind of share with that. But I do know this, you know, if you play three quarterbacks and, um, you know, you, you struggle throwing like like they did, then something something needs to change. You know, I, I know uh, Eric said that the reason why Wiggins was getting the majority of the snaps was because you know he got the majority of snaps in practice due to the other two quarterbacks, Stone Norton and the the, the guy from Maryland, who's you know it's slipping my name right now, but the transfer from Maryland, I guess they weren't able to practice or something something along those lines. So like I said, Eric would know way more, uh, but but regardless, you know FIU. The, the way Stone Norton played against Liberty a few weeks ago was super encouraging, and I, mean, I, I think he I think he'll be the guy moving forward. Uh, with that said, it's just a, a matter of how they go about that and, and what that kind of looks like. Um, so that that's a situation to, to keep tabs on moving forward. Uh, Asher O'Hara, who talked about last week of the podcast a little bit, rough start, had two picks, uh, had a few other throws that you know should have could have been intercepted, a few other questionable throws. But man, he just he just keeps bouncing back. You gotta love this kid's this attitude and mentality. Um, you know, he kind of just you know I know I know there are other contributors in the team, but it's almost like he just like willed that team to to victory. I still think they need to find ways to get the running game going. They took some more deep shots, which was good, um, but then they need to find ways to take pressure out, take pressure off Asher, and get some other run get the other get the run game going, get the running backs involved somehow, some way. Because without Asher, like if, if you took Asher off the, if you took Asher, Asher, excuse me, um, out of the equation, then you know what this Middle Tennessee scored, you know what did they even score a touchdown or two? I, I don't know, I don't know, um, but you just got to admire him bouncing back and uh, you know and, and you know throwing the game-winning touchdown uh, late in the fourth quarter. 
Um, and we do have uh, we do have some content of that coming on, on the Twitter feed because it was a good throw throwing into space. The guy was essentially covered, or, or if he if Asher led him like he was open, if he led him, he probably throws him out of the end zone, and he just threw it in space, and the receiver made a good play. All right, so let's move on to Marshall Western Kentucky. Uh, Western Kentucky, kind of a similar position to FIU, as far as, as it's only similar because there's questions what they're going to do at the quarterback position moving forward. Uh, Tyler Pergrome was was inconsistent a, a, again against Marshall. A, again, talented guy but inconsistent. Uh, so it, you just got to keep track. Okay, what are they going to do at quarterback moving forward? That's a question. Uh, and then the way Marshall looked, I mean, they just. Brent uh, Knox, running back, had you know three touchdowns on the ground, over 100 yards rushing. They had like right under 200 yards rushing as a team, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, so that makes it easy for Grant Wells, who's efficient, did, made some good throws downfield. He didn't need to do too much. Let the run game dominate, and boom, you're set. Uh, so I mean, Marshall looks good. Grant Wells looks good. Uh, we'll, real quick, we'll finish with uh, we'll finish with Charlotte and, and North Texas. Man, UNT was never in the game. Uh, I know offensively the stats look somewhat decent. Austin on looks looks decent from a stat wise, but they just you know they for whatever reason they, just, they couldn't finish drives. They just there's something missing there. I'm not sure exactly what. Maybe we'll go back and watch some more film. But uh, there's there's with with that said though they're 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 missing more in defense than they are in offense. Charlotte on the other hand looked great. Chris Reynolds, man, another good game. Uh, RPOs look great. They took more deep shots downfield and did it creatively. Uh, that's something we talked about wanting them to see last week. He didn't run as much as as you know uh, was kind of hoping or anticipating that they would. However, uh, you know they they won by big margin and, and they took some more shots downfield. One of the, my favorite plays uh, was able to they uh, set up. It was a great play design to set up the running back. Uh, the name forgets me, but he he. He caught it. He caught the touchdown. This play, and they set the linebacker up on the running back and mismatch. Boom! It was a great example on like we talked about last week. Uh, if he's even, he's leaving. So that was actually on our Twitter page today, showing the example of the running back even with the linebacker. Chris Rundles throws when he's even, and then by the time the running back catches the ball, uh, you know the running back's got two or three steps in the linebacker, and it's not even close. So that's kind of our recap on week six. Uh, I know y'all are probably tired of hearing me talk. Uh, we definitely miss Eric, but let's go ahead and take the last few minutes to, to preview Week Seven. We got some big games, uh, especially you know big games in every conference. Actually, um, let's go ahead and start with the Sun Belt real quick, just because Coastal and Louisiana play tomorrow. We, we are recording right now on Tuesday evening, and this is a game that was be, that was supposed to be played last week. However, it got moved, um, so they're playing tomorrow on Wednesday at seven. Game of the week for sure in Sun Belt. Uh, we talked about Levi Lewis having kind of a bounce back game, if you will, because Louisiana is kind of squeezed by Georgia State and Georgia Southern. Man, Coastal Coastal's offense is fun. That, that's one of the funnest offenses to watch in all of college football. I, I, you know, the quarterback uh, Grayson McCall, who, who is doing a great job running that offense. Uh, really looking forward to to this game. And, Last time I looked, Louisiana was what seven, seven and a half point favorites. I think this is going to come down in the fourth quarter, and you know it, it might be up to it might be on Levi Lewis or it might be on Grayson McCall to, to make a play to you know, end up winning the game. Uh, another game that's I'm interested in to keeping up with the Sun Belt this week: Georgia State, Arkansas State, specifically Arkansas State. You know we've talked about Cornelius Brown for Georgia State. We like him a lot. Uh, however, Arkansas State are they going to continue running that two quarterback system? This is something me and 
me and Eric have talked about probably each episode, so I'm sorry if we're talking about it again. You know, and they, they, they both played last week against the FCS team, I believe Central Arkansas, and both Hatcher and Bonner had three touchdowns each. Uh, however, you're playing Georgia State, and Georgia State is going to put up some points. And so, similar to what Coastal Carolina did, where they just put up some points, Arkansas State's going to need to be able to deliver uh, punch after punch on offense. And if there's some inconsistency, or if you miss on a few drives, you know, uh, switching out quarterbacks in and out, in and out can can do that to you. So, I think if if you miss on a few drives, you might find yourself down by two scores again, like you were to Coastal Carolina. This is going to be hard to come back. So. You know, I could be wrong. Maybe they, they run this two-quarterback system again, and maybe they find you know more success and, and end up winning. Uh, they very well could with the two-quarterback system. Bonner and Hatcher, like we said, both good quarterbacks. But I, I think they just need to make a decision and go with it. Again, we'll see. Um, uh, so uh, regardless, that should be a good game. And another game I want to touch on real quick is Texas State and South South Alabama. Like we've already talked about McBride and Tyler, and Tyler Vitt. Uh, I'm excited to see McBride play again this week against Bama. I, mean, I feel like we haven't seen South Alabama in a while. It's definitely been what a, it's been two weeks, maybe. I'm not sure exactly. I'm definitely excited to see South Alabama and to see someone either Desmond Trotter or or Lover Lovertrich. I hope I'm pronouncing that right because uh, he started the previous game against UAB when they got beat pretty good um, by what thirty-ish points or, or so. Um, but he can make some throws, and Desmond Trotter is someone we've talked about in the podcast before, who really, who we really like, and uh, you know, led led them to the opening game uh, victory against uh, Southern Miss. So um, I'm excited to see kind of what they do there. Are they going to go two quarterback system? Are they going to pick one guy? Uh, it'll, it'll be inter- interesting to see to, to see what South Alabama does there. All right, so let's go on and move to Conference USA, and we'll save the American for last, just because they probably have the biggest. Uh, biggest game in uh, in all these three conferences. <clears throat> so Western Kentucky, UAB, both got quarterback questions, right? Like Western Kentucky, we don't know who they're exactly going to start. Are they going to, are they going to do two quarterbacks? I don't know. Are they going to give Pigrom a different chance? I don't know. Are they going to, uh, are they going to give the, 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 their big recruit from a few years ago, the, the, the go ahead to, to start. Uh, so that's something I'm looking forward to and, and to see, uh, you know, who, if they both play, who plays better, and you know who gets to start? UAB. Uh, I don't, at the time, I don't know who's starting. If there's any announcements made, you know, Tyler Johnson third was dealing with some injuries. Bryson Lucero, who started the, the past few games, uh, has had moments, had played well against South Alabama, but then against UTSA the other week, uh, had several interceptions that just were kind of you know head scratchers. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see who gets the, the nod up, both UAB and, and Western Kentucky. UNT in Middle Tennessee. Uh, so we've talked about both these quarterbacks already from uh, from week six when we were kind of recapping week six. UNT, if let's go Middle Tennessee first because I talked about the running game. This is the time to get their running game going, to get some pressure off Asher, to have someone else find some success and get some confidence and build some confidence when you're playing a UNT defense. Same can be said for UNT playing playing Middle Tennessee. Um, you know, if you can shut down Asher and give your offense opportunities, uh, you know, then then you will have a chance. I, th- I expect this is going to be pretty close. Uh, both schools are c- probably at the lower end of conference USA right now. That doesn't mean that's, that's where they're going to end, uh, but they're definitely towards the, towards the bottom right now. Uh, and so both need this win. This is a huge win for both of them. And I'm, I'm, you know, being 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 QB the the QB spotlight podcast. I'm just excited to see the quarterbacks, how the quarterbacks play. Uh, Marshall and Louisiana Tech. This is a big, big game. 
is Louisiana Tech going to be able to stop the run? I don't know. And then if they are able to stop the run, and then is, are they going to be able to start stop Grant Wells in the, the downfield passing attack? I don't know. I'm excited to see Grant Wells. Hope they can. I do hope selfishly they stop the run so I can see Grant Wells rip around a little bit more. But for Louisiana Tech to be in this game, they need Luke Anthony to to have a big game, to have a game like he played against Southern Miss when he came in, or you know HBU when he had those five 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 touchdown passes. Um, like Luke Anthony a lot, man. I, I think I think that. Uh, I think that Louisiana Tech has, has a good quarterback moving forward. I don't know. So I had this game on against UTEP on, on a small screen. So I saw Aaron Allen played some too. Um, so I, I don't know exactly why. I don't know if if if, if, he, if Anthony tweaked something or if it was his play related. So they put Allen in. Uh, but regardless, I think they need Luke Anthony to have a big game and to you know be consistent the entire game for Louisiana Tech to have a shot against Marshall. And then finishing with FIU and Charlotte, like we talked about FIU uh, when we were recapping them. What are they going to do at quarterback? Uh, they need to have a. I think they need to have a quarterback set uh, playing Charlotte because I think Charlotte is going to run on on FIU, and I think Eric would probably agree with me just because we've talked about FIU's run defense and Charlotte. Uh, you know, has a good run game. They've been able the past few weeks. They've got their RPOs going, and I'm looking for Chris Reynolds to, to run a bit more. So. For that game, was FIU do at quarterback, and can Charlotte pick up where they left off? I think I think for FIU to stay in it, I think they need to have a plan at quarterback and to stick with them and go. I think it's gonna be, I would, I'm not gonna say I think because you know Eric got me in trouble last episode for assuming uh, Stone Norton will be the guy, and you know he was right. So, um, so so we'll I'll say we'll see what happens at FI at quarterback. All right, let's go let's go to the American before we wrap the before we wrap this show up. UCF and Memphis, game of the week. It's one of the games of the week in all of college football, but for sure in the American and for sure in the group of five conferences. So Brady White and his game against SMU, which is another big game. You know, you, you have a lot of good quarterbacks in the American, but, you know, at least going into the season, if you say top three quarterbacks, you're going Dylan Gabriel, Shane Bouchel, Brady White, and you can argue about one, two, and three, but they're all up there in that mix. So Brady White already lost. They lost to... SMU and he started off rough but finished strong uh, and, and their defense was able to hold SMU and they almost won. Uh, Dylan, the UCF, they lost to Tulsa not last week but the week before and so they they <clears throat> they had a bye week this past week or they didn't play this past week. Uh, neither did Memphis so they are, they're both rested up. They're both uh, coming off losses. I believe the, the SMU uh SMU Memphis loss was the same weekend as UCF and uh, Tulsa. If not, it was the weekend before for Memphis. I'm sure someone can can correct me on in the comments. But so both these guys are coming off a week off. I expect some points, and I expect UCF to put up to to you know. I expect UCF to kind of set the pace, and I think it's going to be up to Brady White to keep up with that pace. And then in the fourth quarter, if it's you know within a touchdown or a field goal, then who knows what happens. But big game for both since UCF already has a loss to Tulsa, and, and Memphis has a lot to SMU. And you got two good quarterbacks going against each other who have different styles. As White's going to, uh, you know, Brady White's going to take what the defense gives you and he'll, he'll push it downfield here and there to Coxie some but and then you got Dylan Gabriel who is going to just let it rip and wants to push it down the field non-stop which I love but he has shown more this this year so far that he's taken what the defense gives him and kind of hitting that the hitting the, his uh 
hitting his athletes, um, you know, closer line of scrimmage, let them let them make a play. So that's the game of the week. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited for that. And you know, both both guys. You know, if someone throws a punch, the next guy needs to throw a punch. Uh, you know, not literally, just as far as scoring and striking goes. Cincinnati, Tulsa. Can Zach Smith lead an upset again against Cincinnati? You know, the only three point underdogs, and I think yeah. You know, Desmond Ritter has struggled at quarterback for Cincinnati. He's talented, but they had, Cincinnati hasn't done much to impress me so far. And uh, you know, if Tulsa comes in there and plays some solid defense, and Zach Smith can make an, some more NFL throws, then yeah, Tulsa's got a big shot. Uh, to, to upset Cincy. All right, so let's, let's talk about the last game here real quick, and we'll get out. Uh, we'll just spend briefly on it. BYU, New of H, you know, of course, you've heard the buzz from Zach Wilson, that BYU quarterback putting up just this crazy, crazy numbers and, and just balling out uh, NFL throw after NFL throw. Uh, so U of H, you know, is going to be expecting that. I'm not expecting U of H's defense to slow BYU down by any means, not even close, especially considering the fact BYU came off a game which they almost lost UTSA they should be ready to rock and roll the question is can, can Clayton Toon eliminate the mistakes he had at the beginning of the game against Tulane because if he has those mistakes at the beginning of the game there's no way they're coming back into BYU but if he plays a clean game and gets the ball out to his playmakers I'm not saying that they're going to beat BYU but they'll definitely have a chance definitely have a shot uh, because I think BYU is probably going to be taken back by the speed U of H has uh, at the wide receiver position so if Clayton Toon can choose his shots wisely and just get his playmakers the ball. That's what I'm looking for for Clayton Toon. Then, then U of H, you know, definitely definitely has a shot. And if they are if they are in it in the fourth quarter, who knows what happens. You know, obviously it's a tall task. BYU is good this year. Uh, but, you know, Clayton Toon, that, it, it ultimately falls on him to be consistent and eliminate the mistakes he made uh, against Tulane. All right, guys. Well, I think that's all I got for you, man. Um, I talked, you know, what will come up in 30 minutes. I probably talked a little more than y'all want me to talk. Uh, again, Eric will be back next week. His wisdom teeth, I guess the wisdom teeth are gone. So I guess the wisdom teeth aren't going to be healed, but his mouth will be healed. Uh, so we're looking forward to having him back and, you know, getting the, the show rolling a bit smoother. But, you know, thanks for thanks for putting up with me this weekend. Hopefully we still are able to talk some, some quarterback stuff and kind of uh, – kind of provide that itch uh, as it relates to the quarterback position, this quarterback info uh, for this week. And we will look forward to having Eric back next week. But until then, have a good good uh, weekend of watching football and enjoy tomorrow night's game uh, as well, uh, Coastal Louisiana. So, all right, guys, you all have a good one. Enjoy the weekend.